This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. And we are recording and we are live. We're live on Facebook. I have the great pleasure of having Mr. Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? Doing very well, folks. Got Jimbo on my shoulders. I'm going to try to keep him quiet throughout this conversation. Sorry. I love it. Jimbo is not feeling well. If you're following Michael, you know the dog's had some health issues and such. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're glad to have Jimbo on the show as well. Thank you, Jimbo. I I appreciate that. Thanks. I also have a good friend as well, a dear longtime friend, Mr. Alex Lair. How are you, Alex? I am doing well, Mr. Ty. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. So basically on the Friday, what we do is we do a Friday wrap up. Um, If you're following uh, Michael's channel, which you should be, the YouTube channel, as well as everything he's doing on Facebook, Instagram. Um, We always talk about interest rates. We always talk about the stock market or the economy and what's happening right now. So today's Friday show is all about wrapping up. We've got Alex on for some insights. Alex, if you guys don't know, Alex Lear is a real estate broker. Uh, 30 plus years, 40 plus years, 35 years. How many years? 37. 37. So now working on nearly four decades, the guy does not look like... He's been in the business 37 years, but believe me, he, he's got a few gray hairs in there he's earned. Um, he's going to share some of the insights and what's going on in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. So we're going to talk about affordability. We're going to talk about the California market. But let me just, I want to hit a hot topic, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. Congress right now, I believe, started hearings yesterday talking about Reddit, talking about Robinhood. For the person who's not in the stock market, what's going on with all that? Yeah, so you know, Congress had to do something, right? They had to act. They have to act like they're trying to protect the public. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a big short squeeze. There was, uh, you know, some interesting activity by Robinhood leadership. You know, they had to stop allowing people to buy and sell different stocks because the float. You know, just lots of unusual activity going on. Then you look inside Reddit, and there's some. You know, there's some privacy concerns and anonymity and just all these things going on. And if you really dig into the crevices of this, the, our financial system was showing some pretty significant cracks. I mean, if, if you believe what's been reported, Robin Hood got a call at three in the morning and said, you better put up $2 billion immediately. You know, you're trading so much stock and we have a two day kind of settlement period. You know, this thing could blow up. So lo and behold, that whole worked itself out. You know, Wall Street ended up winning. Mom and pops started losing because they started, you know, shorting the other side. But Congress needs to step in and do something. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if anything happens. I think there's a good chance that the there's a tradition right now that's approved that you can sell order flow, which is what Robinhood and other brokerages are doing now, and they charge $0 for trades, right? That's very different than when I started, which was $29.99 or $19.99, right? Now they're zero. So they have to make up that money somewhere. So one of the things they do is they sell the order flow to Wall Street. 
And then what that allows Wall Street to do, because they have the power and the flexibility, is they can front run trades. They're squeezing out pennies of profit per trade, but you know, millions of trade equals real money. So I've often thought that is some kind of thievery. It's kind of accepted, but frowned upon. So it'd be interesting to see if Congress says, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. You know, individuals need to get the best price or, or whatnot. So that'll be interesting. The other thing will be interesting is what do they do with Reddit, right? There's an individual on Reddit who has actually been, if you believe it, I, I forget his name, something kitty. Uh, he's actually certified in financial trades. So he carries series seven, I believe. So those individuals have a certain level of fiduciary duty, right? They're not just you and I, right? Just guys with opinions. They actually hold some certificates. So it'll be interesting to see that he gets called out on the table because he should be held to a higher standard. So it'll be interesting if anything comes out, you know, they parade him in front of the cameras. They ask him stupid questions and then, you know, we'll see what happens. So, uh, you know, we're going to see if anything happens. I, I, I don't expect anything to, but those are the two things that might happen. Got it. Got it. So um, I want to just, I want to get Alex's opinion on this. So, I mean, the stock market, I, I don't follow it every day, but I, you know, I catch the headlines. I mean, how much do you see the stock market playing a role in the Bay Area housing, Alex? And specifically to what you're doing in Silicon Valley, you're also all over the Bay Area, East Bay as well, but specifically in Silicon Valley, how do, how do you see this all playing out? Well, you know, the for us at least, and and we've talked about this, but part of it is the so much so much of people's compensations are tied up in whether it be the Nasdaq, the S and P, the Dow, um, because they've been compensated because they can, they can hold on to stock or restricted stock units as part of their compensation. So they may receive 200,000, a hundred thousand, whatever their initial, you know, what their W two says annually, and then they get their their outside compensation through equity in the company. Well, the restricted stock units, what those do is they, that allows them to, to have stock that they can't sell. They've got a blackout period because if not, everybody runs around, jumps into a company and says, Hey, how many shares can I get? Oh, I'll quit tomorrow. So they black them out. So those people are actually, you know, there's golden handcuffs involved. There's all kinds of great incentives to keep them there. And also it incents a lot of the employees to want to see the company grow not just not just their own personal finance they're there to, for the greater good so with that the the biggest disruption or the biggest uh, potential disruption that i see or that right now well let me let me back up for a moment the market's on a dead run right on the hey alex right do now. me a favor can you hold your um, there oh, you go it's is that better yeah, sorry about go. that so uh <laughs> This is, this is what happens when you have bows and they still have wires. So, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that's happening in the market right now is the buyer appetite under 2.5 2 is, is, is uh, just absolutely uh, frantic as I've ever seen in 37 years. And, and I say 2.5, but that's a lot of first-time buyers in this market. Two engineers, low interest rates, equity positions in companies, they've got a lot of down payments. So where I'm, I'm taking a long way around the garden to get you to the, to the roses, but here's where it goes is uh, my, my, what we're seeing is with the market stock market rallying and all the new highs and higher highs, it's actually impacting people's down payments to where they're putting more down more into, into property. And as a result, we're watching prices climb and set new high marks literally every week. It's, it's been pretty, uh, pretty dynamic. 
So tell you had a listing here in the Bay Area and you were telling us before our pre-roll um, and you don't have to be specific. You can be a little bit more broad, but the list price was how much, how many offers. And then just so people really get an understanding of what's really going on. Tell that story. Sure. And, and this, this is not just an isolated scenario, but this is where I had a listing and in a local town here, right. You know, uh, right on Sam, right in San Mateo County listed at one seven nine five. It's roughly about 1500 square feet, but it's because uh, the father did a little bump out. It's truly on record about 1380 feet and uh, roughly about 1500 and true square footage sitting there. And it had a great backyard, which is what a lot of people leaving San Francisco want. And as a result, you know, we priced it where the last comps were. We wound up with 23 offers on it and it pushed over 500 over asking. So at, <laughs> not $500. Yeah. 500,000. And that's, that was my listing, but conversely speaking, I wrote an offer for a buyer on a 2000 foot house on a busy street, yellow line in the street, right in San Carlos here. And literally that home was listed at 2.4. And we thought, wow, that's a pretty good premium. We wrote it to seven and it pushed just under two nine. And that's on a busy yellow line street in San Carlos. This is two days ago. So this isn't, you know, some theoretical, this is happening as we speak. This is the true pulse of the market of what's happening. So I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head because there's right now we're, we're, we're not watching the market. We're setting the market. Yeah. Setting the market. That's crazy. And this really comes from our, my, my history with Bruce Norris, right? We talked about last week, affordability index being kind of the indicator, but the Silicon Valley is an exception. Right. If you look at affordability index calculates salary income, it doesn't make sense in the Bay Area. And that is because what was in 2000 stock options, what is today are issues or restricted stock grants. Uh, it's that that's where, you know, that's where the money's coming from. Right? You're, you're with Facebook or Google or any of these other long list of companies for greater than two or three years. You have vested significant stock grants that are free for you to sell like four weeks a year, right? Cause they're in blackout periods for most of the quarter. Then they open up in different periods. And if you open up in a right period and sell that, that's what's going on. What will be interesting is if the tech sector rolls over. Cause I've been, I've been in the Bay area 50 years. I've seen, I remember the dot-com period. And there was a time, right. Where the NASDAQ, I think went from just over 5,000 to like 1300. So that would take some, the wind out of the Bay Area market for sure. Well, today there's just no inventory and everybody thinks the stock market's a bubble. So people want to get money out of the market and put it into something more physical. And this is another reason why San Francisco is losing, but the peninsula or the Bay is, is blowing up, right? You're often 30% over a, a list price. That's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting time to be a home buyer for sure. Yeah, that's significant. I just want to comment too on the RSU restricted stock units. Mm -hmm. um, just so the listeners, I know, again, I'm not a, I don't have an MBA in finance, mm -hmm. um, but I'm a fast learner. I spent a lot of time with smart people like Michael and Alex um, with the restricted units with those stock units spe specifically, it's very common that somebody, maybe they have compensation on the books Mm -hmm. at $150,000 a year, 
-hmm. but they're actually maybe receiving another $150,000 in stock units. Is that pretty normal, Michael? Is that pretty normal? Well, yeah. So I was a hiring manager for the last 10 years. And, and part of the part of the part of this is how it works in the Silicon Valley, right? You're given you're usually like every job I hired had them. And I'm sure there are exceptions. So you would get a grant at hire. Let's just call it 10,000 for easy math. What would happen is that 10,000 would not vest for the first year. So then at one year, you'd get 25%, so 2,500 units. And that's at a cost basis of zero, right? So you could sell 25% immediately. And then based on the company, they either vest monthly or quarterly thereafter. But what happens in the, in the Bay Area is if you are good at what you do, you get new grants every year. They call it a replenishment. And pretty soon, you're vesting you know, three, four, five years worth of grants in big chunks. And... Um, Let's just say most people, if you're good at what you do, you're a good salesperson, good engineer, you're making three to four X your base in stock. And that's how you can afford a $2.3 million home. It's not because you make 150, it's because you're vesting 600 grand. Uh, that, that's what's happening in the Bay. Strong. And then it also, when we look at affordability for micro markets like Silicon Valley, and we see that the affordability is really low, it's actually, there's an asterisk there because Correct, you're exactly. in a market where there's deferred compensation or- Yeah, which is not part of the calculation. Absolutely correct. Very good, very good. Well, yep. we're gonna transition now. I wanna talk about interest rates. Um, specifically, you have another guest that you do a weekly show with, Mortgage Matt. Mm -hmm. um, again, for those of you, if you're not following Michael on YouTube, do yourself a favor. It's the best content out there. I don't even watch regular news anymore. I only watch Michael's stuff. You talked about with Mortgage Matt, you talked about there were movements in the market. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that and maybe articulate on that? Yeah, so let's, let's tie this together with if you're watching my channel. On January 1st of this year, I, I told you that the one thing, right, you put a gun to my head and I can only watch one metric all year, it would be the 10-year treasury. I don't remember where it was, but it was probably in the 0.9s, somewhere 0 0.95, 0 0.97, something like that. Well, what happened on Tuesday of this week, because Monday was President's Day, uh, it jumped. It went to like 1.31%. And that causes the 30-year mortgage to adjust, and in this case, adjust higher. That's why I follow it, right? One of the, I follow the consumer and cost of capital, because cost of capital is a big input for my investments. And what happened is the adjustment was so big, it caused mortgage brokers to adjust their prices three times in a day. And that's not normal. And, you know, what, what we are seeing now is some people, because the adjustment ended up totaling about a quarter of a percentage point. Mm. That's significant, right? And I just saw this morning that the average 30-year mortgage rate went back over 3%, right? This, this is all impacting people. So what this means for folks, right, is you may have had a yes answer at 2.5 or 2.6, if you're if you were stretching debt, you know, debt to income and something like that, you may get a no answer. Right. The, the, these movements are significant. And the other thing that I want people to realize, and we talked about this with mortgage, Matt, right? You, you think you can call your mortgage broker and they tell you, hey, rates today are X. But you have to go and fill out the app, give them all the financial forms before you have a rate lock. A conversation is not a rate lock. And I'm sure there were lots of people that talked to him last week that were pissed off on Tuesday when he told him that rates went up a quarter point, that's not his, that's not his fault. Uh, he can't fundamentally do a rate lock until he has all the paperwork and applications set to send off to the broker. So 
let's give our mortgage brokers uh, a little bit of flexibility. And also let's realize we owe the application. We, it's our job to finish that and finish it quickly. I love it. I, I want to go, I want to switch over to Alex and then Alex, you watched Barry, you, you texted me this morning you were like, Hey, I just rewatched the interview with Barry Habib. Um, incredible content. You'll find it in the squad up Facebook page. You'll also find it on Michael's channel on YouTube. Um, I know also, Michael, you're going to have Barry on, I believe on March the 8th, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So we're excited to see that, to have Barry come back to one rental at a time um, and just a follow-up. Um, Alex, what were some of your insights just from re-watching Barry's interview? You know, it, it, I always look at it, it's like the old saying, when, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. So after about the third time, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm catching different messages each time. But I wrote for literally three pages of notes again, um, going back to the, you know, the amount of the housing units back when the bubble happened in 08, where there was three and a half million units of housing available at that time. And currently, we're only at uh, 1.07 million units. So right now, beyond, I mean, beyond the oversupply back then, and then now we have an undersupply, we also had all the millennials, what was it, 88 million millennials saying they want to buy. So, you know, and, and as he talked about the, you know, the 33-year the lag, why there was a shortage of buyers in 2006, and then ultimately the, the, plus the oversupply caused that crash. And now we're sitting on completely the inverse of that, which is massive amounts of buyers. We've got low inventory, material costs are rising in, in California specifically. I mean, if we're not burning, rioting, or, you know, you know, setting the place on fire there's you know everything needs to be rebuilt again so at this point you know there's so much more demand on whether it be the resource of of labor the resource of materials and plus also when you take covid and now short create a shortage in in supply lines we are sitting on the powder keg of an absolute buy, uh, seller's market and and how long will it take for that to, to be able to be absorbed or to be able to, to, to quench that, you know, given that, that even with COVID right now, so many, so many municipalities still don't have the capacity to be approving big projects. They're still working in their slippers. I see that we're, we're really sitting on a, on a driven market. And this is the one thing, Michael, you might want to, I, I want to ask you also is how do you see this playing out once you know, the pandemic feeds out because this is only with an organic market. How do you see this playing out once actually we see the borders get opened up and then foreign money coming into the U.S. again, back into California specifically and saying, because even if we have a bad economy, we're still the best of the worst compared to everybody else. So, that, you know, yeah. how do you see that playing out? So for me, so really the Silicon Valley or the Bay Area, let's call it the Bay Area in general, right? It is such a, it's such a metropolitan area. It doesn't, it doesn't follow the rules of the rest of the country. So I want to make that very clear. We don't have any large housing tracts to speak of. Certainly, you know, San Mateo, Santa Clara County, that area, right? There's no more dirt, right? You're doing infill lots, maybe some addition to all of that. Um, Really, as long as San Francisco urban development is not happening, I think the Bay is going to see another couple of nice years. I don't think it's going to be 30% like the example you had earlier, but still a 10% increase on a million seven, still almost 200 grand, right? Um, so I don't see anything slowing it down. What I have talked about, and I still believe we have to watch in the Bay, 
and it's going to take a decade to play out, is this. Right now, we are not attracting the next set of PhDs and masters in computer science and programming. If that continues, if they continue to go to Phoenix or Atlanta or Huntsville, if that happens for multi-years, we will have a structural problem because we won't have those next set of engineers with RSUs to, that will afford this. So the Bay Area could be in trouble in five, six, seven, eight, nine years because we, we always need to replenish the next set of buyers. And right now we have at least artificially stopped, right? Companies are saying, nope, don't come here. We'll hire you in Texas or we'll hire you here or we'll hire you there. It'll be interesting because I have, I live, I live a mile from Google or a mile and a half and like four of my neighbors work there and they're like telling me they've noticed a drop in productivity because just engineers bumping into each other and all of that. So it will be interesting how many companies continue to do work from home kind of exclusively. Dropbox just did it today and took a charge in San Francisco. Uh, but a lot of the Silicon Valley is built on being together in, in the same room. And that's really not happening now because of this health crisis. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But if we don't bring engineers back and they just suddenly become Miami Silicon Valley, so we, we will be in trouble. We could be half price, but that'll be a decade in the future. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to wrap on that note. So I just, I really appreciate your time, Michael. I appreciate your time, Alex. Great questions, great interaction. Um, if you're not following Michael, I say this all the time, do yourself a favor, follow him on YouTube. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. He's got a great mentorship. He's got tons and tons of value out there. Same thing with Alex Lear. Alex Lear, if you guys don't know him, this is the guy you go to in Silicon Valley for referrals um, and just knows how to put deals together, has a lot of experience. One of my big brothers, somebody I've looked up to and fast friends for now almost three decades. So thank you both so much for your time. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you. Thank you.